Eagle River, Alaska, and St. Bartholomew's Episcopal Church in Palmer, Alaska. Today is the fifth Sunday in Easter, Sunday, May 7th. Our first reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 55 to 60, Psalm 131. The second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 to 10. And our gospel reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Well, alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia, and peace be with you, my friends. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what Jesus was actually saying was, if you want to know how to get to the Father's house, you must come with me. Within the Western world, this saying of Jesus has become one of the most, if not the most, controversial statements of all of Jesus' collected sayings. For in the year 2023, everyone knows not only that dead men don't come back from the dead, but that there isn't just one road to God. There are as many roads to God as there are ways to get to San Jose. I am the way and the truth and the life, is what Jesus said. How arrogant of this fellow Jesus, some proclaim. How dare he really? How dare John, the author of this gospel, or the church, or anyone else for that matter, put such words into one's mouth? Isn't this the total height of arrogance? To imagine that Jesus, or anyone else for that matter, was the only way to God. Don't we know how much damage this statement has made around the world? Wasn't this the cause of the Crusades? Hasn't this been the demise of the indigenous peoples around the world? Jesus' followers insisting that everyone should give up their way of life and follow Jesus only. How utterly arrogant, naive, and truly ignorant. Now, before we begin to wrestle with some of these highly important questions and observations from our present age, we must first dial into the proper scene and setting of our gospel reading from this morning's readings. The scene is the Last Supper. The time was the Thursday evening Passover meal that Jesus had just partaken in with his disciples. The evening prior to his arrest, trial, crucifixion, and death on the cross that next day. And as we recall, it was the meal in which none of the disciples were willing to wash each other's feet before the meal so that they could be somewhat clean for the meal. So Jesus himself wrapped a towel around his waist and then assuming the role of the slave or servant, commenced to wash his disciples' feet. It was the meal in which Jesus identified Judas Iscariot as being the one disciple who was to betray Jesus to the authorities. And after Judas's departure into the night to do his deed, it was the meal in which Jesus told his disciples that he was about to be glorified and that he, Jesus, was going away 
and the disciples could not follow him to where he was going. They had to remain behind. And then Jesus told his disciples about a new commandment, a commandment to love one another, just as Jesus had loved them. They too were now to go and love one another. Well, all of these words and actions were not only confusing to the disciples, they were very troubling. The disciples have been following Jesus now for some three years. And tonight, this evening, they are being told they couldn't follow any longer. Peter, of course, was most vocal about this statement by Jesus that the way he, Jesus, was going, Peter could not follow. Peter said to Jesus, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. You will lay down your life for me, Jesus responded. Truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Then, having heard this statement, the other disciples, of course, were now even more troubled. If our brave and fearless leader Peter was to deny Jesus three times, what did that mean for us? Now, here's where we now pick up our gospel reading from this morning. It's necessary to connect the latter part of chapter 13 with chapter 14. So here we go for today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will, I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Doubtless many of you, many of us, have heard these words at the funeral services of loved ones or friends. More specifically to the point of the gospel reading, however, on this night of nights, as Jesus is readying himself for the agony of the cross, it is Jesus who is lending emotional and spiritual support to his followers. Jesus is the one to offer comfort. On the other hand, the disciples are greatly troubled, not because they are rushing toward great pain, shame, and crucifixion, but because they are confused, uncertain of what Jesus means, and threatened by the words of Jesus' imminent departure. And so the words, do not let your hearts be troubled, are addressed to a group of disciples who, under substantial emotional pressure, we're on the brink of catastrophic failure. Or in, the or in the vernacular, they were about to go cray-cray. The way the disciples are to calm themselves, calm their hearts, is spelled out in the words, Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, it's not merely a suggestion. The words of Jesus are actually an imperative, a command. I believe it was Muhammad Ali, originally named Cassius Clay, the world boxing champion, who said, If you can do it, it's not bragging. Jesus' command to believe in God, to believe also in Jesus, were not merely platitudes of pious, wishful thinking. They were backed up with actions and with love. In this gospel itself, Jesus has already turned water into wine, healed a royal official's son who was at the point of death, 
healed a man who had laid paralyzed for 38 years, fed 5,000 with two loaves and five fish, walked on water, restored sight to a man born blind, and finally called a dead man, Lazarus, to come forth out of the grave. We are unable to name another leader who has done the same. Jesus also had significant conversations with people, laying out the truth of who he was and why he was here with us on earth. Conversations with Nicodemus, the woman at the well, with scribes, Sadducees, and Pharisees, with a woman caught in adultery, and with many others. It is in this gospel, the gospel of John, that Jesus claims the words echo a me. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. All statements backed up by actions already performed. Finally, Jesus was born into existence because the Father so loved the world that he sent his Son, his only Son, Jesus, into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through a great act of love. Now, the reason Jesus was going away, heading down a path the disciples could not follow, was simply this. Jesus was heading to the cross. He wasn't going away on R&R, you see. Jesus wasn't heading on a Mediterranean cruise to get away from it all. No, Jesus was heading that very night and into the next morning to the cross. This was why the disciples could not follow. Only Jesus could accomplish the task. And that task was to wage battle with sin and death on the cross. Only God, the God of creation, the God of heaven and earth could wage that battle. And then Jesus says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. The words presuppose that the place Jesus speak of, speaks of already exists. Now, this is important, so listen closely. Within the theology of the Gospel of John, it is the going itself via the cross and resurrection that prepares the place for Jesus' disciples. Jesus isn't merely taking a trip to Spain, you see or Italy, to set up an Airbnb for the disciples to follow. No, Jesus' way is to the cross, death, and resurrection, which then opens up the way to the place. And the place, however, is not so much a where, but a who. Notice the words, I will come again and take you to myself. The place is where sin and death are defeated. And that place leads to the Father who art in heaven. It is not offered by Jesus to his followers upon their demise or upon their deaths. No, Jesus is offering this life, this abundant life, to be with the Father and the Son right here, right now. The place is not a faraway heaven reserved for us after we die. No, it's new life new creation, a new beginning, right here, right now. Now, if you're totally confused at this point, don't feel like the Lone Ranger. 
The disciples are also totally and wonderfully confused as well. Thomas becomes the group's spokesperson. Thomas appears in the fourth gospel as a loyal, courageous disciple, but one who is liberally endowed with fears and doubt. Not unlike many of us, I dare say. Now returning to this morning's reading, it states, After Jesus boldly claims to his disciples, You know the way to the place where I am going, Thomas reveals that neither he nor anyone else in the room has come to grips with what Jesus meant about the destination he was going to. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? You see, Thomas is thinking that Jesus is going on a road trip of some type, going ahead of them to set up that Airbnb. Thomas wants a hard map with a grid point. Does this sound familiar to you? Most of us want our needs met by Jesus, by God. Our prayers are often something like, uh, Lord, I'm having a little trouble here with this flat tire. Be awful nice if you just pump it back up for me. Jesus, no, Jesus' response to, De- to Thomas is, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the trouble with rejecting this knowledge of Jesus' uniqueness, his way of being the only way to God, is this. What are you to replace it with? If you dethrone Jesus, you simply need to put something or someone else in its place. The belief that all religions are really the same sounds nice and democratic. The only trouble is, it doesn't work. What you are really claiming if you are saying that all religions are truly the same is this, that none of them are more than distant echoes, distorted images of reality. You're saying no religion is true. No faith leader has it figured out. You're saying that God, the divine, is remote and unknowable and that neither Jesus nor Buddha nor Mohammed nor Krishna gives anyone any direct knowledge to knowing God. It's a lot like that Paul Simon song, Slip Sliding Away. Ever felt like that? We're just slip sliding away. You know the nearer you come to your destination, the more you're just slip sliding away. Then he, in the verse he, say, he sings, God only knows, God makes his plan. The information's unavailable to the mortal man. We work our jobs, collect our pay, believe we're gliding down the highway when in fact we're simply slip sliding away. No, Jesus is not being arrogant here, nor is Jesus bragging. Jesus is who he actually claimed he was, the Son of God. He proved that through his works and words. He was the loving one who washed his disciples' feet and then went to the cross to destroy sin and death. Jesus was, is the one sent into the world because God loved the world so much. Unfortunately, it is true that many Christians and many Christian denominational churches have been rather arrogant in the way they, we, have presented the gospel. 
Somehow, we have missed all the teaching of the evening. Many have certainly missed the commandment to love one another, no less the entire teaching about going to the cross and then living in the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is, is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And this Jesus who washed his disciples' feet and told them to copy his example. This Jesus who was on his way to give his life as the shepherd for the sheep. Was this arrogance? Was this self-serving? I dare say not. This was why he was sent to open the way so that his followers could be with the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. Now, only when the church recovers the nerve to follow Jesus in his mission and vocation will it, the church, be able to recover its nerve fully in making the claim of Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here's the big so what for today. We must follow in the footsteps of Jesus and love one another, serve one another, lift one another up to love as Jesus loved to put the will and good of the other before the self then and only then may we the church proclaim the earth-shattering truth that Jesus is the way the truth and the life simply because it is the only way the world will hear amen